This is Backstory. I'm Brian Bellow. I'm Peter Ronoff. And I'm Ed Ayers. Today on the show, we're considering the American history of sugar. Now, it turns out that that history isn't particularly sweet, but it is consequential. Let's consider the case of the American Revolution. Now, we're used to thinking about that war as a revolt against taxes on tea and stamps. But Brown University scholar Peter Andreas says there was another lesser-known factor in the lead-up to war. The smuggling of molasses uh, to the New England colonies. Yeah, you heard that right. Molasses smuggling. At the time, New England's number one export was rum. And in order to make that rum, you need molasses. Problem was, the British Caribbean didn't produce anywhere near enough molasses to keep New England's distilleries busy. So colonists struggled to bring in enough barrels of molasses. They needed tens of thousands of hogsheads per year to run the region's 63 distilleries, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were importing less than 400. In case you're wondering, a hogshead is the equivalent of 240 liters. Now, there was plenty of sugar being produced in the French West Indies, and so enterprising colonists turned to the black market. Andreas told me that the smugglers included some of the colony's most powerful men. We're talking about, you know, major American founding families. I mean, the Hancocks in in Boston, for example. Or I should point out the Brown brothers in Providence, uh, the founders of of the university that employs me. I mean, they were deeply complicit in in, uh, the molasses smuggling trade. What was the legal regime? What were the the statutes that the colonists were not uh, adhering to? Right. It was smuggling because they were technically in violation of the Molasses Act, which was first imposed in in Mm -hmm. 1733, and it imposed a prohibitive uh, tariff on um, importing uh, molasses and sugar products from uh, non-British West Indies, right? So if you import it from the French West Indies, you're supposed to pay this uh, extraordinary tax. So what happened is this act, the Molasses Act, the reason it existed in the first place was to protect British subjects in, in, in the British West Indies. But in fact, what it led to, it was I would call it a de facto invitation uh, to smuggle. It was so poorly enforced and so widely violated uh, that it was essentially treated as a dead letter. And it's clear that British officials, customs officials, have to be winking at this, uh, actually falling asleep uh, and completely uh, okay with it. It's obvious to everybody what's going on in these places. And they were getting paid off. I mean, in in this sense, one could argue that corruption had a pacifying effect. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody got something out of it. Uh, The the customs agents were getting their their take, and the merchants were getting what they wished. Uh, There was a positive balance of trade uh, and so on. And so this was a sustainable uh, status quo for decades. Peter, when uh, when did the good old days give way uh, to the imperial crisis and there's a crackdown? Well, the turning point was really the Seven Years' War, um, 1756 to uh, 1763, uh, between the British uh, and the French. And the British won the war, but the war lasted much longer than they expected, and they ended that war uh, broke. And part of the reason it lasted so long is because – the otherwise uh, loyal British subjects in the colonies were actually supplying the French, uh, making a lot of money trading with the enemy, uh, treasonous trade, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, while also supplying uh, the British. So they were making a lot of money on both sides, so much so that when that war ended, there was actually an economic downturn uh, in the colonies. Uh, 
And coinciding with that downturn in the colonies, the British decided we're going to now tighten our grip. And so when the British actually tried to crack down on the smuggling trade and actually extract revenue, uh, that's when the merchants in the colonies, especially in New England, uh, obviously, uh, balked, essentially. Right. And not only complained loudly, but ultimately contributed to them taking up um, arms. I don't want to overstate the case, um, but I think it's pretty clear that it was an essential ingredient in galvanizing merchant outrage. It's no surprise that the outrage directed at the crown wasn't just the crown in general, but actually very much targeted customs officials. The whole tar and feathering, these tended, the people who were tarred and feathered tended to be informants or actual um, customs officials uh, for the crown. Uh, and what were they doing? They were cracking down often on uh, New England smuggling. And there were other sorts of smuggling going on. It wasn't just molasses, but uh, arguably it was the molasses trade which was uh, most important. I'm wondering if you could say that the cause of the American Revolution might be the failure of the British state to enforce its regulations, a demonstration of state incapacity. The British state had attempted to impose a trade regime and did so with only fitful and occasional success. That's a fair reading. Another reading would be um, that it was actually much more successful when it wasn't enforcing. Yes. That in fact, uh, the very incapacity uh, to enforce Uh, which actually served lots of interests on all sides. It was the blunder of Mm -hmm. overstretch to think that you could suddenly change your mind and change the status quo virtually overnight uh, without all kinds of negative repercussions, uh, often unintended and unanticipated. So, Peter, we see that there are escalating grievances that are alienating New England merchants and New England communities from the British crown as it enforces these acts. How do we get to the point of revolution itself? Yeah, I mean, basically, you had a perfect storm situation where you had onerous trade restrictions, high incentives to engage in evasion of those restrictions, and actual, in practice, very little capacity to, in fact, enforce those restrictions. And you add that all up, and it's going to produce a a formidable smuggling problem. And then if you suddenly change your mind and say, you know what, we're going to actually quite suddenly and dramatically not just extend uh, our policing reach, but actually squeeze our hand uh, in 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 the colonies, it's perhaps in retrospect not surprising that there was such a backlash uh, against that because for decades it was this sort of overlooked, winked at, tolerated activity uh, and then things changed rather dramatically. And so that has to be part of the story of our founding. It's sometimes uh, perhaps provocative to put it front and center uh, in explaining the the origins of our of our country, but frankly, John Adams himself, after the American Revolution, um, he put it, uh, quote, I know not why we should blush to confess that molasses was an essential ingredient in American independence, uh, unquote. But uh, for whatever reason, those uh, observations, shall we say, haven't gotten uh, the attention I think uh, it deserves. <laughs> Peter Andreas is the author of Smuggler Nation, How Illicit Trade Made America. 